Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew as we continue to make our way through this very humbling passage of Scripture, I must add. I, I tell you, uh, <laughs> the more that I dig into these words that are great, powerful, prophetic words uttered by the Lord, uh, one of His final teachings prior to His crucifixion, He and His disciples are there on the Mount of Olives, uh, across from the temple complex, if you will, there, the city of Jerusalem. And, and Jesus is answering a couple of questions that His disciples had asked. They wanted to know, when was the temple and all of the complex going to be destroyed? When was Jerusalem going to be destroyed? But then, probably more importantly, Lord, what, what will be the sign of Your coming again? We want to know, when will Your kingdom be established? And, and so they, of course, were perceiving that that would happen any time very soon. Uh, they were thinking that would be something that would happen pretty soon, and they would they would reap the benefits of it by being Jesus' disciples. But of course, Jesus is showing them something different as He answers that question here in what we call the Olivet Discourse. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 35, and... Uh, and I will, uh, I'll do my best to do justice to this very powerful and complex portion of the Word of God. Before I do, I would like to offer prayer for us this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, You are the King of kings. You are the Lord God Almighty. We do bow before You in reverent worship and adore You. And Lord, I call upon You this morning asking that, Lord, You would empower me by Your Holy Spirit and hide me humbly behind the cross of Jesus. Enable me, Lord, to bring forth the timeless truths of this powerful passage as we consider Your second coming to the earth. Lord, I pray that hearts will be open and that minds will be receptive and that lives will be changed. Help us, Lord, to take heed to the, the, the words that are being said here by You and preserved by the working of the Holy Spirit. Inspire us, Lord, to be the people of God in our day, in this age, that when You come, you will find us faithful. We praise You and thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you think of the Christian life as being almost like the life of, of, of a soldier, living the Christian life is almost like being soldiers who are behind fighting behind enemy lines and, and somewhat outnumbered. And, and the command that we have been given by our Supreme Commander, the Lord Jesus Christ, is that behind enemy lines we have one single task, our objective, and that is to engage in spiritual warfare by making disciples of all the nations. That's what we are here. That's our assignment. And the going is tough. The odds are against us. The enemy is powerful. He's shrewd. And everywhere you look. And we're doing our dead level best 
to be faithful in carrying out the command of our, our commander-in-chief, if you will, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and while we're doing that, we're always cognizant of the fact that any time now, You've seen those war movies where those, those brave Marines or Army soldiers or, you know, special forces are behind enemy lines and they're fighting and, and, you know, they're calling and saying, we're, we're outnumbered and, you know, we need, uh, we need help. We need, uh, we need an airlift. Send, send the bird in to, to lift us out. And as we're fighting behind enemy lines in the spiritual warfare, seeking to make disciples of all the nations and doing the work of the Lord against an enemy that certainly has outnumbered us and is formidable to say the least, we know that according to the Scriptures that there will be an airlift. We call it the rapture. And until that moment, we have a responsibility to, to, to fight the good fight to be faithful, to do everything we possibly can to win people to Jesus Christ, to represent the cause of Christ. And we trust that if it is the Lord's will and in His time, He will rescue us out of this sinful and wicked world. And that will come either by the rapture or when the Lord calls us home. But we know that following the rapture of the church that things aren't over as far as the kingdom of, of God work is concerned. Even with the church having been removed from, the, from the, the, the presence of the world, there will be people who will be saved. Hallelujah. There will be people who will be converted during the tribulation time that the Bible speaks of, that seven year period of time. We know that during that time, according to Revelation 7, God will raise up 144,000 Jews who will see the signs of the time and be convicted by the Spirit of God. They will be evangelistic. They will have a zeal for evangelism and they will win many Gentiles and Jews to Christ. All of this will be happening even with the terrible calamities and natural disasters and things and wars that are going on that I described, that Jesus described previously known as the birth pangs that will be going on during the tribulation time. People will be coming to the Lord. But let me tell you something. If you think living the Christian life is hard today, we can't even imagine what it will be for those brothers and sisters in the Lord who will be enduring the circumstances of the great tribulation. We know, as we've seen early in the Scriptures, that during that same time period, there will arise one known as the Antichrist. And he will be the, the incarnation, if you will, of Satan himself. Satan will empower him with his own power to, to be able to, to rise up to a level of world power and leadership. And for the first three and a half years of that seven year period we call the Great Tribulation, we know that the Antichrist will appear to be a man of peace. He will, uh, he will carve out a, a, a covenant of peace even with Israel. He will appear to be the friend of the Jews. But the Scriptures tell us prophetically that at the halfway point of the seven year tribulation, at three and a half years, He will turn. And He will turn drastically. And this, this man empowered with power from Satan himself and, and is, is a charismatic leader and he's, he will turn in such a diabolical evil way towards the, the people who, anybody that represents God, he will hate with a vengeance. That would be the Jews in particular, 
and any Christians. You remember we left off last time in verse 22 and Jesus was telling the people uh, that unless the days were shortened, no flesh would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those who God has elected, who will be followers of Christ during the tribulation, God will shorten that time. But you remember Jesus instructed believers during the great tribulation. He says, when you see the abomination of desolation where Antichrist sets himself up to be worshipped as God in the very temple, he says, you flee. You run to the hills. You hide. But what you're about to face is incredibly evil. And so now as we pick up in verse 23, Jesus is adding words of instruction as He's talking about these end times leading up to His second coming during the Great Tribulation, if you will. And so Jesus is here speaking to those who will be here on the earth during that time period. Those who are believers. He's given words of, of warning, but He's also given words of comfort. First, He warns those in verse 23 who are still here during that great tribulation time. He warns them of the confusing messages concerning the Messiah. Look with me at verse 23. Then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, and there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so to deceive if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, and we know back in verse 5, Jesus did warn about false Christ and false prophets and those who would come and, and, and try to... You see, Christians will be hiding. They know they're fugitives. They're, they're being hunted by Antichrist and his forces. And, and, and so they're going to be in hiding. And there will be those false believers who will infiltrate the ranks of Christians, and there will be those false prophets will be, who will be coming to lure them out into the open. And they'll say things like, hey, we know where the Christ is. He's Come on out of the mountains. Come on out of the cave. He's down in the desert. Hey, we know where the Messiah is. He's in the inner rooms down in the city of Jerusalem. Come on out. We know that there will be people who will be false believers in the midst of the, of the fellowship of Christians during that time. And they will betray Christians during that time. And those Christians will be martyred during that time. But I thought it was interesting how Jesus phrases this in verse 24. They will, these false prophets and false Christs will come on and they'll speak of these signs and they'll, they'll even have power to work signs and, and to do wonders. Remember now, Satan has empowered Antichrist, so his emissaries will also have supernatural powers. So some of the, first, some of the next people that will come on the scene who will do miracles and wonders won't be people of God. The next miracle workers that will show up on the scene according to the teachings of Christ will be people who are on Satan's side. But they will work these wonders, they will do their miracles so as to deceive the people of God, to draw them out, to make them vulnerable so that they can be uh, martyred by the Antichrist. But isn't it interesting there in verse 24 where Jesus says, so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. The implication there, Jesus is saying that 
for true believers, those who are truly called by God, saved by the grace of God, washed in the blood of the Lamb, listen, Christians, true Christians, cannot be deceived. True Christians will not be deceived. Anybody that falls for these false Christs and false prophets, and I would say that today, anybody that can be lured out of the fellowship of the church today by the teachings of false prophets and cults are themselves not true believers because Jesus says, if it were possible, it's not possible. You remember what Jesus said in John's Gospel in chapter 10, talking about the security of the saints? Let me share with you over in Luke's, I mean John's Gospel in chapter 10. I love this passage. What a wonderful word of encouragement and assurance that the Lord gives to us. You know it. Then verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep, He's talking about believers. My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. And I give them eternal life and they have, that they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Once you are truly a Christian, a follower of Christ, and you've committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in His hand. And no false prophet, no false Christ, not even Antichrist can snatch you out of His hand. I love the word of Paul in Romans 8.38 where he says, For I am persuaded... For neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nobody can come between you and your Christ, your Lord, your God. And that's what he's saying. There will be people who will be misled and drawn out, but they will be the people who are the false believers in the midst of that time. Now, Christians will be betrayed. No doubt about it. And there will be Christians who will lose their lives for their stance uh, in, in faith in Jesus Christ during that terrible time. So, I thought it was interesting also. Jesus said, I've told you this before. And He has. He's, he's warned us throughout the Gospel of Matthew. There will be false teachers. There will be false preachers. And certainly in the end of time, there will be those false Christs and false prophets. In verse 26, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, He's in the desert. Do not go out. Or look, He's in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. And in contrast to the false messages where people are trying to say during that time. Now, a little footnote here. This is not us. He's not talking to you and me here. He's talking to believers during the tribulation time. They will, they will read these words. They will understand exactly what Jesus is saying. And so in contrast to those false reports about, oh, the Christ is over here. Come over here. Oh, He's over there. Come over there. Jesus clarifies in verse 27. He says, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. You see what Jesus is saying? He describes His very public second coming. For those believers during the tribulation, they won't have to worry about somebody saying, Is He coming? Is He over there? Is He over here? Listen, Jesus says, The whole world will know when I come. It would be like one of those infamous 
Terrible lightning storms. Everybody in the region knows that it's coming. I think about the most recent bout that we had with severe weather this week. Reports were going out over the television and the radio as early as noon that day saying, folks, buckle down, batten down the hatches. They're calling for severe you know, weather this afternoon. And, and the, the meteorologists knew it was coming. I'm one of those weather freaks. You ask my son, daughter, they'll tell you. I spend a lot of time watching the weather station. And I like to you know, dial up on my little app on my phone here, look at the radar and follow. Boy, I just couldn't wait to see. And I'm going to tell you something. This this storm, there, you'd have to be absolutely blind or just totally not tuned in. You knew it was coming. The radar line stretched that thing all the way down. It covered from the northernmost part of North Carolina to the southernmost part. A wall of turbulent weather. Gusty winds and Thunder and lightning and hail and rain. There was no, nobody sitting around oblivious to the fact that we were having a terrible storm that day. Everybody knew it. And Jesus says, when I come again, it will be like a lightning storm. Everybody will see. They'll know. There, it won't be a secret. So you stay put until you see this very thing happening. It is, it is a very public demonstration when Jesus comes. He's not coming like He did the first time. The first time, this first advent on the world, Jesus came as a little baby. Very indiscreet in a very small, unmentionable, hardly town of Bethlehem. Nobody hardly knew it, but just a few shepherds. Some wise men read the signs of astrology and they came, or astronomy and they came. But, but otherwise, very few people showed up. They hardly knew that Jesus had come to the world. Not this time. Not in His second coming. Jesus says everybody will know. We'll see that in just a moment. But then we look at verse 28. A rather perplexing passage of Scripture. And I have to confess, I understand why biblical scholars have kind of scratched their heads. on Jesus inserts something here that, that relates to His second coming, but you have to look at it and you think about it because it doesn't seem to fit in. In verse 28, He says, For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will gather together. Huh. Jesus is coming again? His second coming to the world? And, 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 and talking about carcasses? But if you study the book of Revelation and the, the vision given to John, and you go over to, in fact, if you want to turn over to Revelation to chapter 19, you'll see. Well, John was given vision by, by the Lord related to the second coming of Christ. And it talks about Jesus coming again in great awesome power and majesty and He will deal with great wrath those who rebel against Him, who are working in opposition to Him, and there will be a great slaughter. But listen to the way John describes it in chapter 19 of Revelation in verse 17. Revelation 19, verse 17, John says, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and those who sit on them, and the flesh of all the people, free and slave, both small and great. Verse 21, And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. In that last clash, 
where Jesus is, is, has come in power and glory and all the armies of the world are gathered in opposition to fight against the Lord, there Jesus simply speaks the Word like a great sword from His mouth. And He slaughters men and horses of all ranks. And, and there's this battlefield slewed with bodies and carcasses. And that great angel is saying to all of the carnivorous birds of the air, Come! Come! Feast! I realize that's not the most delicate subject to lay before you just before you head off to the cafeteria, but, but that's what Jesus is saying. He says, when I come, the whole world will know it. And after I come, there will be a great slaughter. Those who rise up against me will be dealt with, and there will be such a great slaughter. He says, the birds will come, and they will devour those carcasses. But then, let's move on as we look at verse 29, back in Mark, I mean Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 29. Jesus is describing this time. Now the tribulation period has gone on for seven and a half years. The worst of it, the last three and a half years where Antichrist has risen to power and is exacting great uh, persecution upon all the believers. And now Jesus is, is describing these cosmic signs that will announce the coming of the Messiah. But it's interesting. Those who don't know Christ or those who are in opposition to Christ should dread this day. And many will dread this day. But for you and me, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, what does the very thought of Him coming again do in your heart? We were just talking about that briefly in our body life class this, this uh, morning, talking about the rapture. And you know, do you think on a continual regular basis when you get up in the morning, do you think this could be the day that the Lord returns? We live in a sinful world. We live under the consequences and pain and, and hurts of, 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 of the effects of sin on a regular basis. We see war and conflict. We see all kinds of hurts and, and injustices. And, and we live with that. But there is a blessed hope that Christians have that no one in us, all the world has. And Paul describes that in Titus in chapter 2, in verse 11. He says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying, and denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Listen to verse 13. Looking, looking, yearning, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Get up in the morning and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that I have this morning. Thank you that you bless me with this day. Even with the troubles and the struggles and the hardships I have. Thank you for this day. But Lord, I pray this will be the day. This will be the day that you will come. No matter how bad circumstances get, no matter how difficult, no matter how much the enemy is, is outranked you and you're going through hardships and struggles and temptations and trials, realize that by faith in Jesus Christ, we have a blessed hope. And that hope is He is coming again. There's no doubt about it, folks. There's not speculation about it. There's not, you don't have to reason out what are the chances. It is a done deal, the Word of God describes. 
And Jesus is describing here for the benefit of that generation that is alive during the great tribulation who are being tortured and who are being martyred and being hunted and they're hiding in caves and they're, they're doing everything to, to keep out of sight of the Antichrist and, and yet to be a witness. What a tedious time to be a witness for the Lord. And they're living during those times and Jesus is saying, I am coming again. 